I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to this short but special episode of the Des Bishop podcast. Um... You know, I could have waited uh, till during the week and just included this, but I wanted to just give uh, a special 10 to 15 minutes of an update to my grandmother's story and my great-grandparents' story, which had such a great response, uh, whatever it was, a few weeks ago when I told the story of my great-grandfather and how he died, and I told the story of my mother's aunt and what happened to her. But I think, and you should listen to that, actually, uh, if you haven't. You should probably listen to that first, I feel. Although, perhaps not. Perhaps you should listen to this first, because this chronologically comes before that. Um, but when I, when I told that story... I had sort of, I didn't dismiss, but I sort of flippantly suggested that when my great-grandmother died in childbirth in 1921, although I have to say I didn't know the exact year at the time when I said that, I I flippantly dismissed uh, the, you know, the stories that I was told growing up about the fact that um, IRA men were hidden in my grandmother's house and that there was a connection to the black and tans and the British army and how my great-grandmother died. Now, I wasn't saying that it wasn't true, but I was just saying that, you know, I, I, I didn't really know for sure. And I, honestly, I, I feel guilty now at how dismissive I was about the fact that I feel like sometimes a lot of people in Ireland like to sort of insert their family's history into the War of Independence. And so th- I feel a little guilty about that because it's easy to be cynical sometimes, um, especially when, you know, you don't know all the facts. But I-, I also was, I guess I was trying to protect myself against accusations of being overly dramatic about my family's history or trying to sort of, you know, in, in insert my family's history into the War of Independence so I could feel more Irish, you know? Um, I mean, we could get into a deep psychological discussion on where that paranoia might come from, but I'll just talk about my own side of the story. <laughs> I won't talk about years of xenophobic comments of people to- completely denying my Irish connections. Um, but sure, listen, that's another, that's a chat for another day. So the reason why I'm doing this special episode is because, coincidentally enough, even though I was really thinking about my mother's aunt's story because of all the mother and baby home stuff, my cousin, so, well, he's my cousin, my mother's first cousin, um, 
who I, I've known is very good at uh, this family history stuff, posted on Facebook on February 19th uh, the story of my great-grandmother's death. Now, the only reason I saw it was because, well, how I originally saw it before members of my family started sharing it around was actually the Blue Lou Bar in Glengariff messaged me and said, with the picture, I mean, the pictures I'd all seen because they're online. They're part of a collection in the National Library because the house is such a unique house and it's kind of a unique area. The Blue Lou Bar asked me, who, you know, who is this woman in the photo? Um, now, uh, honestly, I've seen that photo many times and I always assumed it was my great-grandmother, but I didn't actually know for sure. You know, I, 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 I was... I, was, I didn't have all the information. So anyway, on, what I did not also know was that February 19th, 2021, is the 100th anniversary of my great-grandmother's death. If you've been following the news in Ireland over the last year and a half, you will know that there are numerous, one, there are a lot of centenaries happening in relation to the War of Independence, which, you know, for a lot of people who don't know Ireland that well, uh, is an essential part of the modern Irish story. You know, I, I like even you know you talk to English people, and you know, like the British flag is is the four crosses, right? The cross of Saint Andrew, the cross of Saint George, uh, the cross of Saint David, and the cross of Saint Patrick. I think. Don't quote me on that. I'm just speaking off the top of my head. But like the Union Jack represents the the four parts of the United Kingdom, right? And I've always found it fascinating how the people in in the UK, in their education system, they don't focus on how 26 counties of the 32 counties of one of the crosses that is represented on their flag, you know, not just a part of the British Empire, but part of the the country that is fucking the UK, uh, that they don't know why that happened, how it happened, and when it happened. They know nothing of the Irish War of Independence and how uh, by 1949, Ireland was completely 100% independent of the UK. They don't know anything about it, which I find fascinating because to me, that feels like a huge part of your history. Not to mention, by the way, if I could just add to that, that a campaign of violence... Uh, you know, throughout the 70s, the 80s, and the early 90s was one of the main stories of modern Britain. And the sectarian violence within one section of the United Kingdom was also a huge part of that story. And they don't know what caused it. I mean, it was just easy for them to just look at it as a demonization of these people bringing violence, but they don't actually know the history of how it was started. I would assume most of them just know that the Troubles began. They don't know, you know, the history of the Troubles or why there was only one section of fucking Ireland that was still part of the UK. They don't know. They probably know that there was a border created in 1920. They, they, they don't know the history behind it, which is, which is completely fine, except that it's not like not knowing, you know, the history of how Palestine was a protectorate or some, you know, some sort of more distant part of British history. I mean, this is... This directly involved your life. You know, if you're a 45-year-old English person, 
you 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 remember the troubles, and it's it's shocking to me that in the British education system they wouldn't teach you where the fuck all this came from. But that's fine. They don't know it, and that's fine. I'm I'm I've digressed into a, a sort of a personal gripe of mine about the British education system. Nonetheless, there are a lot of people around the world that don't know that much about the War of Independence, and I'm not going to get into the history of the War of Independence, but needless to say, it was a war that eventually led to a treaty, which was the beginning of the 26 counties of the Republic of Ireland becoming what it is today, okay? Uh, It wasn't a clean cut, and it certainly wasn't an immediate, uh, you know, it it wasn't immediate independence, but it 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 was a journey towards independence, and we'll talk about that another day. Whether it was good or bad is also open to a lot of revisionist history, and we're not going to get into that either. But it is what it is, and modern Ireland is what it is today as a result of this intense period of time, 1919 to 1922. So, I'm always conscious of looking like I'm desperate to be more Irish than I am, so sometimes I can downplay the incredibly interesting, unique history of my family, the O'Connors and the O'Sullivans, from Glengariff and Benan in Kerry, Glengariff and West Cork. Um, just a very interesting history in a very unique landscape at a very important part of Ireland in relation to the War of Independence. So thank you to my cousin, who I won't name so he doesn't get bombarded with uh, stuff. I'm just going to read it here. You won't need to see uh, the the post itself, but you also can see the pictures. Just Google the Tunnel House Glengariff, and numerous pictures will come up on a simple Google search. Doesn't require any deep dive. It's right there. Tunnel House Glengariff, Google search images. Boom. the The pictures that I'm talking about are the pictures with the woman standing in the doorway. You will see it immediately. That is my great grandmother, Mary O'Connor. And, uh. But I did notice that there were some comments on my cousin's Facebook page saying, "Who is this woman in relation to this? Uh, who is this woman in relation to Des Bishop's grandmother who spoke of this house on his podcast?" So I know that some of you have seen that, and I'm cool with that. So anyway, let's go. I've digressed too long. So this is uh, my cousin, my mother's first cousin. So I guess my first cousin once removed, but that's another area of great debate. But let's not digress again and talk about the great complication of who the fuck is who in your cousin's timeline. But apparently, officially, this is my first cousin once removed. Uh, He posts two pictures. The one, uh, if you Google them, the one picture is the one with the, uh, the car in it passing the house. And you can see both of the houses. And then the second picture is the one with my... Great grandmother Mary O'Connor standing in the doorway, and an old woman who I've since found out was a, a friend of the family, sitting on a bench, looking like Peg Sayers was on holidays. So, this is from my cousin's Facebook page, posted on February nineteenth. The woman in the Lawrence collection photo, eighteen eighty three to the nineteenth of February nineteen twenty one. The young woman in these photos from the Lawrence collection. Lawrence Photograph Collection in the National Library of Ireland died 100 years ago today on the 19th of February, 1921, a casualty in the War of Independence. Now, I have to say, I'm very grateful for the lack of fear that my cousin has taken in the way that he's written to really fucking throw this thing right in the middle of history and to ramp up the drama because... 
it alleviates my guilt and it also it makes me proud you know let's not hide from the fact that my great grandmother's death was a casualty in the war of independence let me finally be free of any shame or fear of telling the truth about my family's history her name is mary o'connor the photos show her in front of the tunnel cottage a tea shop that she operated with her husband patrick the border between Cork and Kerry runs through the long tunnel on the Glengarriff to Kenmare Road, and Mary and Patrick's tea shop was just on the Cork side of the border. Now, I think I just described it in the last uh, podcast episode, but you do have to visit this area. I mean, it is a very unique landscape, and that road is both beautiful but eerie. Those tunnels are frightening looking, uh, and... I highly recommend a visit. I always love going there. I stand at the spot where my grandmother's house was. I've since found out as a result of the amazing comments that have come since my cousin posted this that the house was torn down by the council in the 70s and they don't know why. Uh, perhaps it was dangerous. I don't know, but it's such a pity. And I know that certain cousins of mine have sort of petitioned for Trent to get a house built on that spot. I, I would nearly petition to have some sort of War of Independence uh, memorial museum built there. But anyway, let's not digress. Mary and Patrick were a young local couple. She from Derry Connery and he from Inishfall, Banan. Banan was on the Kerry side. My great-grandfather was from the Kerry side, just so you know. Uh, she was from the Cork side. She was an O'Sullivan. He was an O'Connor. They were 22 and 25 respectively when they married in 1905. They acquired the small college from a relative, cottage from a relative and built a two-story house beside it. By all accounts, the tea shop was successful. The tunnel, hand-hewn in the 1830s, was and still is a significant landmark, as I've just described. Postcards published by the Valentines, judges, and others testify to its popularity as a stopping-off point for charabanks and for individual tourists. I'm also going to be honest with you. I did not know what a charabank was. I had to Google it. I didn't even Google it. In fact, on my Patreon, I was discussing this, and one of my subscribers Googled it. Although he said he didn't Google it. He said he knew. But in my opinion, he's full of shit. Uh, it was like a, a, an old school bus. Um, anyway, the tourist car in the Lawrence Collection photo, which was taken around 1907, is London registered. A photo of the inside of the tunnel itself was included in a book presented in 1903 to King Edward VI, in commemoration of his visit to Munster. As the Tunnel Cottage was the only tea shop at the site, Mary and Patrick had a captive market. So all that I kind of knew in that people stopped along there uh, on this road, and it was, uh, it was a popular road with uh, those types of people, and uh, all that fits into uh, both the stories that I heard and also the stories that I found out later about my aunt and what possibly happened to her. So it all... It's all coming together in a, in, a, in a well-researched story. By 1910 to 1915, Mary and Patrick had done well enough to improve the house and cottage. They bridged the gap between the two houses by adding an upper floor to the cottage and linked it across the gap to the main house. They bricked up the space below the link and plastered the two buildings as one. The new space was used for storage and access to it was by way of a ladder from a trap door at the first level in what was the children's bedroom. The decision to leave a gap at ground level was probably taken on grounds of cost. Inserting lintels into two dry stone walls would not have been easy or cheap. Whatever the reason, 
for the now enclosed and concealed space, it was to prove significant later. And I deliberately read that in a dramatic way because indeed it would lead to much later drama, drama that I have known about for a lot of my life. Drama that I admittedly dismissed as perhaps tall tales of the history of my family. The period from mid-1920 to early 1921 was a fraught time in West Cork. In the summer of 1920, the Royal Irish Constabulary constables had been killed in Bantry and Glengariff. The Turin ambush and its aftermath in Bandon took place in October, and the Bloody Sunday Massacre in Dublin and, uh, and the Kilmichael ambush both took place in November. Martial law was declared in Cork, Kerry, Limerick, and Tipperary in December, and the center of Cork City was burned down by the Black and Tans. Incidents were many, and curfews were in place. All history that has been revisited very recently as a result of all these centenaries and is important for people to remember because revisionist history is wonderful. Asking questions uh, is important, but it's also important not to deny the tragedy of British rule in Ireland during this period of time. In Glengariff, the British were concerned that suspected IRA volunteers could disappear between Glengariff and Kenmare, particularly at night. They had no idea where the volunteers might be hiding, and the remoteness and isolation of the countryside where the road crossed the Caha Mountains seemed to provide excellent cover. Now, when I make a documentary about all this, there's an ad going in there. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. That's an ad break right there. An aerial view of the house right at the Caha Pass in the mountains between West Cork and Kerry. This would turn out to be a very important point in the history of the War of Independence. So in the documentary, there's an ad going in there. Now, if somehow I managed to sell this documentary to American TV, you will know that not only will there be an ad going there, but when we come back from the ad, there will be a recap. Because so many of these American documentaries are so annoying. Because it's like five minutes of recap, two minutes of new information, then another ad, then another recap. And there's actually only about 20 minutes of information in a 90-minute documentary. Because most of it's just recap. Like as if we're all too dumb to have remembered what came before from the 30 seconds since we went for a piss. Okay? But there's an ad going in there. Because it's an important point that this house was in a strategically important area. And, as we've already heard, and I don't want to give any spoilers, 
for the next five minutes. But there's some secret spaces in this house that were not created for sinister means, but perhaps ended up having a sinister use. We'll be back after the break. And here we are. There was no break there, by the way. I just... Actually, I'll... I'll, I think I will put in... I'll I'll, I'll make that the ad break. (laughs) Anyway, sorry, guys. I'm trying... You know, I'm I'm trying to inject a bit of humor into this incredibly riveting tale of my great-grandmother. Uh... The Tunnel Cottage was one of the very ha- very few houses on the road once Glengariff was left behind, but it doesn't appear that the tea shop was suspected as a hideout. It looked innocent enough. It was a successful business in a substantial building run by a young family, which included six young children, including my grandmother, by the way. Peggy O'Connor, Margaret O'Connor, take your pick. The Irish like having two versions of names. Mary and Patrick were an affable pair and provided refreshments to all travelers, including military personnel passing by. However, unbeknownst to these customers, their hosts used the space between the two houses to hide active service volunteers. One of Mary's daughters later recalled to her own children how her bed and the rug beneath it would be moved and men would go back down into the space below. Then her bed would be moved back and she would go back to sleep. Now, these, again, are the stories that I've heard my whole life, but I, I never really knew if they were true or not. They almost sound too dramatic, right? It sounds like something you see in a mafia movie, something you see in a, you know, a movie about Vietnam, Viet Cong hiding under people. You know, like it doesn't, it, it doesn't feel, but yet, it, even in saying that, historically, it's completely accurate because if you read about any of the guerrilla warfare after the 1920s, they often talk about following the example of how the Irish rose against the British in the 1920s. So in actual fact, I'm literally just accidentally proving a point about how, of course, you see stories of, uh, you know, other, you know, other places and how these things worked out and they're, they're, they're copying literally what was going on. I'm not saying that the, in Vietnam they were copying my grandmother's gaffe, but I think you know what I'm saying, okay? So the sad thing about that is that it's great that some of my cousins, and including my aunts and uncles, they know these stories and they, they probably heard them firsthand, but I, I don't have anybody on, 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 we don't have anybody like on record. And my uncle had recorded stories from my grandmother before she died, but he has lost the tapes. It's like one of the great wounds in our family that we don't have these tapes because I'm almost positive that my uncle would have asked my grandmother about this specifically. I would have thought that this would be like one of the things he's most interested in because I know he knows and I know we know and I'm, I would love to have it in my grandmother's voice. I mean, I have so many questions for my grandmother. Whatever about my parents, I just have so many questions for my grandmother that I will never be able to ask, you know? This is the, this is the sadness of death, but it's also, I think... A lot of people like to complain about modern society and how everything's recorded. But one of the great things is that we're going to have such evidence of, of history for this period of time, as opposed to these periods where, you know, we're reliant on such, such little visual evidence. And then also, uh, you know, a lot of documents were destroyed. You know, it's, it's, it's just, it's sad that we just have these stories now to share. But at the same time, I'm so grateful that my cousin has shared this. 
In February 1921, Mary was in the late stages of pregnancy. On the night of the 18th of February, she began to hemorrhage. Curfew, notwithstanding, Patrick knew that he had to get a doctor urgently, and he rode to Glengarve. Unfortunately, he ran into a patrol, which, instead of helping him get the doctor, arrested him for breaching the curfew. He was then detained overnight and questioned about his movements and perhaps about what he knew about the ability of the volunteers to disappear. Now, before any of you get PTSD about being stopped by the guards on your way to SuperValue during the pandemic, this was way more serious of a checkpoint, okay? The next morning, there came into the station an English officer who happened to have stopped in at the Tunnel Cottage tea shop a little time before. He had seen that Mary was heavily pregnant and was able to confirm Patrick's reason for breaking the curfew. He ordered Patrick's release and provided an escort for Patrick and the doctor to return to the tunnel. Sadly, they were too late. By the time Patrick arrived home, Mary had died from shock and hemorrhage as the death certificate recorded. Mary died nine days before her 16th wedding anniversary, widowing a 40-year-old Patrick and orphaning her six children, whose ages ranged from 14 to 3. Within eight years, Patrick was dead, and the children were scattered in Ireland, Great Britain, and America. Mary O'Connor is our grandmother, my great-grandmother, and very well written by my mother's first cousin, my first cousin once removed. And I'm very grateful to him for taking the time to do that. I'm grateful for him to, for having the confidence to tell the story of our family, which is an important story, one small story in the history of the tragedy of the War of Independence. And I think for you guys, it's great to hear that there was even more tragedy in the story that led to my great-grandfather's suicide, the other things that happened, the story of the priest, just the whole dark story that so many Irish families, when they delve into their history, will find. Uh, and I find it fascinating. Um, it's nice to know a bit about who you are. I mean, she died 100 years ago. You know, and it, it's, it's, it's wild to me because some people know their great-grandparents, yet this story seems so distant from from my life. And yet some people know their, you know, some people grow up, you know, it's like my great grandma died when I was six. It's like, wow. You know, like, look at that picture, get a chance, Google it. Look at that picture. Look at my great grandmother in that house. Just feels so far away. Anyway, guys, um, I wanted to share that with you. I think it's an interesting story. I think because your response was so strong to my previous telling of my great grandfather's death and my great aunt's uh, you know, tragic pregnancy that you would find that interesting. I also wanted to just get it on record that these stories were true that I heard my whole life and didn't possibly believe. I talk about them in Mia Mama. I don't even know how I'm going to do Mia Mama now. I know too much. That section of the show is going to end up being an hour itself. Um, I have actually talked to a, a, a director about whether we want to put together a proposal for this documentary. I'm not kidding about that, but we'll see. Now I think more than ever, I think it's interesting, the story of that house. 
and the story of West Cork. Um, so anyway, guys, uh, that's all. It was a little longer than I expected, but I was trying to be funny at times. I hope, I hope you, f- you, you don't feel that the, there was a, an irreverence in my humor. I was just trying to keep it entertaining at times because I, I knew that the, the, the story itself was interesting enough, but at the same time, uh, I, you know, we like to have a point of difference here on the podcast. So thanks for listening. Um, the Patreon I was talking about, as you know, is patreon.com forward slash Des Bishop, where we tease out a lot of these ideas every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Um, so uh, do subscribe to that if you're interested. Uh, message me on at Des Bishop on Instagram and Twitter, facebook.com forward slash Des Bishop. I did share my cousin's post on my, uh, my Des Bishop page on Facebook, so you can see it there. Um, I also had some back and forth with the Blue Lou Bar on Twitter, so you can find it there too. Um, so if you're interested in digging into it a little more, feel free. Uh, I'm planning on being back Thursday as our, for our normal episode. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm busy on Friday, so I have to get it done before then because I'm getting my first dose of the vaccination on Friday, which is very exciting. I, I, think, I think I told you guys that that's happening in the last step. Maybe I didn't. I can't remember. Um, but I'm getting my first dose of the vaccination on Friday because uh, I'm a cancer survivor. But you know what? I'll tell you more about that on Thursday. Uh, and so, thanks, guys. Peace. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.